Hello and welcome to Minimalist Buddha Podcast, where you learn to systematically declutter your mind, your life, and your personal living space. I'm Sensei, your host, and I want to welcome you from wherever you're listening in the world. I also want to say thank you to all of my students, my clients, my followers, and supporters. Without your support, my work would not be possible. I'm excited about today's episode, and with no further ado, let's get right to it. So now we begin with the second realization. And as I mentioned before, the first realization discusses the nature of this world. And then the following seven realizations will cover how to live in that world. So we move from the framework or kind of like the macro view to the micro view. That is the everyday living experience. And so before I actually read the text of this second realization, which is greed is the cause of suffering, I want you to ask yourself an honest question. Do you believe that you are greedy? Do you think that you are greedy? Now, if you know that you're greedy and you admit that, then that's good. You can uh, do a lot of work with that. But really, I think there are a lot of people who would classify themselves as not being greedy, but in fact are. And this is not an indictment against yourself. But here, remember, this is the eight realizations of great beings. What we're trying to do is help solve the problem of unnecessary conflict and suffering in our experience. And so some of the things that lead to suffering are the things that we may not see in ourselves or want to see in ourselves, but with proper tools to analyze that, to look deeply, to go into deep introspection and contemplation about these things, we might find something that is closer to the truth about who we actually are. And so this second realization, greed is the cause of suffering, I'll now read the text of that realization. And it is as follows. Realize that excessive desires cause suffering. The fatigue and troubles of the cycle of birth and death arise from greed and desire. Have few desires, be receptive, and you will be content in body and mind. This one is short, but nonetheless still powerful. I'll read it one more time. Realize that excessive desire causes suffering. The fatigue and troubles of the cycle of birth and death arise from greed and desire. Have few desires, be receptive, and you will be content in body and mind. So from this very first line, realize that excessive desire causes suffering. I want you to take note of this. This word excessive. Because oftentimes, there's a misunderstanding about the Buddha's teaching. And that has to do around a very important idea, concept, and it has to do with desire. And often I hear 
unfortunately, people who are even practicing Buddhists say like, no desires, eliminate all desires. Here we're seeing here in this sutra that it is excessive desires cause suffering. So let's try to get some idea about excessive desires because it would seem to indicate then that there must be desires that are not excessive, that is, those that don't give rise to suffering. And that is true. So I'd like to give you just kind of a general outline about this. And, you know, you can go into detail uh, in your analysis about that question that I initially asked you to answer. And that is, are you greedy? So when it comes to excessive desires, here are some of the qualities of those. Excessive desires cause suffering. I mean, that was the the thrust of this realization, right? They bond you to the cycle of birth and death, and they attach you to false appearances. And so if you want details about false appearances, please go back and listen to the previous episodes dealing with the first realization where I talked about what false appearances are, uh, and as well as the cycle of birth and death. But what I will say here is that just with this general outline, if you think about the things that you desire in relation to answering this question, am I greedy? Here's where you can do some real work. Because you can say, you can ask, you can inquire Does this desire that I have, it not being fulfilled, cause me conflict? Cause others conflict around me? That is, does it cause suffering? Now, that kind of fine-tunes this question, doesn't it, about me asking you to ask yourself, are you greedy? And the way to get to a more accurate answer is to ask yourself, well, do any of my desires cause me to suffer? Do any of the things that you want, the lack of having them, does it cause you to suffer? And we can take it a step further and say the things that you desire might be some of the things that you presently have, but you can still suffer from that because there's two aspects of wanting things, desiring things, there's desiring it, meaning that that phenomenon is not uh, present in my awareness, or I don't possess it. But then there's post-possession, that now that I have this thing, now that I have this person in my life, now that I have this job, does my desire to make sure that I keep it and no one else has access to it, cause me suffering. Do I worry about that? Now you're beginning to see when I say this question that you must ask yourself about being greedy has deeper dimensions than you may have originally thought. Because I think many people actually have some form of greed in them 
That is, their desires cause them to suffer, but they wouldn't characterize that as such because the word greedy has a heavy negative connotation to them. And who wants to be seen as being greedy? Very few people. Some don't care, and that's obvious by their attitude and what they do and what they say. But I think most people would not want to be perceived of as being greedy. So here's how we can kind of ferret out the truth of whether or not greed is lurking somewhere in our consciousness and our awareness. So with that explanation about excessive desires, then obviously the opposite of that would be healthy desires. And we'll just flip the description about excessive desires and say that healthy desires are ones that don't cause you to suffer or other people to suffer. They don't disturb your mind is another way to think about it. Do your desires disturb your mind? Can these desires be delayed and you be unaffected by that? So you see the difference between like moderate and healthy desires and excessive desires. Qualitatively, completely a different experience. So that's the first thing that I would want you to understand is that we're not talking about all desire being eliminated. And secondly, that there is a difference between what we would call reasonable desires and excessive desires. And that should be clear now. So the goal with this piece is to, again, awaken to a self that is complete. Personally, I believe that all desires on some level are connected to a sense that you are not enough or you don't have enough. And I'm excluding here things that are calls uh, uh, desires of the biology, meaning like if you don't have enough food to eat, if you're cold or too hot, you don't have proper shelter or clothing. These are things that would be reasonable desires. And I'll say a little bit of much, a little bit about that a little later. But I want you to draw a distinction between what one would call quote unquote necessities of life and what we're talking about here. Because unfortunately, false appearances, that is, believing in phenomena in a particular way, lead to the delusion that you may need something. Or alternatively, you need more of it. So this is all tied together to a sense, an initial sense that you don't have enough or that you are not enough. And so you look outward into the world and say, hey, you need to be this for me. Or I need that to feel happy. Or I need this to feel important. I need this recognition to prove to myself and others that I am such and such. And we have seen that we live in a time where these types of desires, in addition to how they may arise organically in your own awareness and experience, you're being bombarded daily 
by so many different desires that are ex- excessive, so much so that they become the norm. Like you must have the latest uh, version of XYZ technology. Like if you don't have that, then there's a problem. And so this type of bombardment of excessive desires then becomes the the way it is. It's like everybody wants this. Everybody needs this. And it's been an interesting thing to watch as time goes on how marketing has created uh, false appetites. Gone from... Yes, this could be helpful to like, you need this. And how can I seduce you into also buying into this, literally and figuratively? So that is excessive desire being pushed from without. Now, once we have excessive desires enough, then it just becomes habit. The thought about those desires becomes habitual. So habitual that, in fact, the pain, the suffering, the conflict associated with not fulfilling that desire becomes our norm. It becomes integrated into your psyche in such a way that you believe that this is something that everybody feels and so therefore uh, it becomes normalized. So I can share a short story with you that kind of illustrates this. There was once in a village a group of women who often went down to this river to fish. And so on this particular day they went down to the river, had a great day of fishing that day, but they stayed longer than they should have this time. They looked up at the sky and noticed there was not going to be a chance that they were going to make it back to their uh, village in time. And so as they were walking down the road with their buckets of fish, they came upon a flower shop and the owner happened to be closing up the shop for the evening. They explained their plight and he kindly said, well, you can sleep here tonight but I only have one request and it is that you leave those buckets of fish outside because this is a flower shop and obviously I don't want that smell uh, interrupting the beauty of the smell of the flowers. And they all agreed and were gracious and said, thank you. Uh, He gave the key to lock the door and he left to go home to his wife. The interesting thing happened is that as the women gathered to go to sleep, they had a lot of trouble going to sleep. They just couldn't sleep. And they tried everything that they could do to try to just relax. So finally, after about 15 or 20 minutes of this, one of the women stood up, walked outside, grabbed a bucket of fish, brought it inside and closed the door. And within five minutes, everyone went off into sleep. So here, that bucket of stinky fish represents this excessive desire that becomes so habitual and so normalized. 
that we don't even realize how attached we are to these things, to these desires, that you would prefer actually the smell of stinky fish over beautiful flowers, so much so that you cannot even go to sleep without that familiar odor in the air. This is how tricky this can be. And so this second realization about greed being the cause of suffering is very serious. And we can kind of take a couple of key points away right now. One is that excess causes harm and conflict. I think that's an easy way to say that. Because thinking about some of the desires that you've indulged in, and when they've become excessive, that it spills over into something not so wonderful. Let's take, for example, getting drunk. When you have the thought of like, well, I'm going to go out and party or celebrate something and we're going to have lots of drinks, lots of excitement around that. We're going to be socializing. You start having some drinks. Oh, this feels good. This feels good. But ultimately, at some point, if you continue in that, it leads to what's called a hangover. And the miserableness of that experience, in the midst of that, you say, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore, or I'm not going to do that for a while. And what happens? You find yourself doing it again shortly thereafter. Or maybe there's a little period of time, but because of the habitual nature of it, the consciousness and awareness says, well, let's just forget about that not so good part of it because the lead up, the build up to it is so exciting and wonderful. It's just like that. Now, the problem with that, there are many problems with that, <laughs> But one of the main problems with this is that when we act in this way, that is unconsciously about these desires, it increases the notion of having a self separate from everything else. What do I mean by that? Think about that. These desires, all of a sudden I become a morning person. I'm an evening person, right? All of these labels that we start to put on this self that we are creating are perpetuated by the habitual nature of excessive desires being fulfilled. And so now you are seeing yourself, the self that you're creating, that is this type of person. And so anyone who may not be, let's say, uh, in with that or agree with this desire that is being fulfilled then becomes the other and ultimately could become an enemy, meaning that you would treat them in such a way that is either psychologically, emotionally, or physically harmful. And we see this happen all the time. We see this happen all the time. This is not uh, fiction. This is truth. 
Second key point, the way to tame the greed. The way to tame the greed is through wisdom. That's the antidote. Wisdom is the antidote to excessive desires. And so when you understand this on a deep fundamental level, now the awareness has something to give you an opportunity, at least, to realize that excessive desires are going to cause suffering sooner or later to yourself or to others. Now, when it comes to desires, I mentioned this conscious desires. There's also unconscious desires. And I think this introspection and this particular realization that greed is the cause of suffering helps us really shine the light on those really subtle unconscious urges. Because even if you find that you are a disciplined person, you feel like you don't have many uh, excessive desires, at least that are not conscious, that you're not aware of, it's the ones that you're unaware of that get you. If you're a being who's generally trying to deepen their consciousness, be more aware, you're probably already kind of grappling with or have subdued the excessive desires, or at least have moderated them. But those unconscious urges, this type of analysis and deep introspection that we're doing now allows us to shine a light onto those so that the causes and conditions that would make the effect, that is the suffering that results from that unconscious urge, not to actually materialize. Because right now they're just sitting, waiting for the right conditions to spring forward. And we can stop that before it even happens. And I can tell you, it's much, much easier to prevent something the effort that goes into that than to try to uh, heal from the damage of that. So if you have any incentive to do it, that's your incentive. It's a lot easier to walk downhill than it is to walk uphill. So these desires, the cause of suffering being greed is a real and deep realization. I'm reminded of another story that kind of illustrates what was said in the previous episodes, and it's relevant here, about evil arising in the mind, that the mind is a source of evil. So there were two friends who happened to be walking together back into their town. And as they were walking along the road, they saw something shining in the side of the road. So they went over and kind of looked through the brush there. And sure enough, there was this nice piece of gold, a rather large piece of gold. 
And they thought to themselves, wow, this must be like a gift from the universe, a gift from God. We should take this and go to the temple and give thanks. And one friend said, yes, and we also should have a meal to celebrate this. This is a wonderful thing. And since we both saw it at the same time, why don't we just split it in half? And they said, great, we'll agree to that. So one headed off to the temple, the other headed off to the local market to pick up some food to eat so they'd have a nice little celebratory moment after giving thanks at the temple. But as the first friend was approaching the market, he began to think to himself, that's a, that's a nice piece of gold. I mean, if I could have the whole thing, that would be actually better for me. So he bought a vial of poison after he bought the food, and then he headed over to the temple to meet up with his friend. Unbeknownst to him, his friend also had a similar thought, like, I could live twice as well with this gold if I had it all to myself rather than half of it. So he picked up an axe and hit it near the table where he knew they would be eating after giving thanks. And sure enough, as the friend showed up with the food, they went into the temple, they gave thanks, and decided, let's go have our meal. So they stepped outside, sat down, and as the first friend who had bought the poison started preparing the food, he looked over his shoulder, dropped some poison into the portion he was going to give to his friend, and began to sit down at the table with him. And as he was sitting down at the table, an axe fell right to the back of his neck. He was gone, killed by the other friend. And so the surviving friend then said, well, no sense in wasting this delicious bowl of soup. I'll have this and then I'll be on my way. And three or four bites into that bowl of soup, his abdomen began to burn and he suffered death from the poison. Evil is a source. The mind is a source of evil. All things arise in the mind. Greed is the cause of suffering. We see this illustrated here quite well. I want to read one last time this second realization for you. Realize the excessive desires cause suffering. The fatigue and troubles of the cycle of birth and death arise from greed and desire. Have few desires, be receptive, and you will be content in body and mind. So the last thing that I want to address with this second realization is this notion of having few desires. Now, from a purely logical point of view, it makes a lot of sense. The fewer desires you have, 
the fewer kind of false fixations that you have to manage. So we can even understand this not like as a moral precept, but just as a logical way to become content. And notice that's what the word was used here. Not happy says you will become content in body and mind. And so I'll encourage you to minimize your desires, not eliminate them, minimize your desires, the excessive desires specifically. Because the reasonable desires of socializing, moderate entertainment, sexual activity within proper context, right? Mutual agreement, no one's being harmed. All of these things can be moderated in such a way that we don't suffer or cause other people to suffer from. And that's the whole point. But this last line about moderating and keeping the desires few. If you could just do that, sit down and really ask yourself, with all of these desires that are calling me, all these things that I say that I want or that I need, just begin to eliminate some of these things. And the way you can eliminate them is to ask, which of these is causing me to suffer or anyone around me to suffer? Do you want that bigger house or new car so much that you cause your family or friends or partner, spouse to suffer as a result of that desire not being fulfilled? Do you believe that you're entitled to something in such a way just because you desire it that it's okay that other people suffer? Because that in itself is a form of you suffering. That is that this desire has you so caught up that you don't even realize, right? It's unconscious. Or alternatively, you do realize it and you don't care. Either one is a terrible state to be in. Greed is the cause of suffering. If you'd like some assistance with trying to ferret out excessive desires in your life, in your mind, reach out to me at minimalistbuddha.com, send me a message, and I'll be happy to assist you. Until next time, peace and blessings.